I'm the guy that keeps Mr. Dead in his pocket. And I say we're gonna stay here. And we're gonna live a long time, and we're gonna be thankful. Right? Keep tracking. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. We're going to stay here, we're going to live a long time, and we're going to watch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 66. We are executing Minute 66, which begins with Max introducing himself to the Waiting Ones on his terms, and it ends with Max running up to Savannah and grabbing her. Wrapping up the week with us is the gal who keeps Mr. Dead in her pocket, Casadilla from the Wicked Wasteland podcast and the Fallout Fanatics Facebook group. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Must be pretty awkward going through airport security when you got Mr. Dead in your pocket. And you're like, okay, just, you know, don't put him through the x-ray machine. It might make him stronger. Well, I mean, they don't need to put him through the x-ray machine. He's just bones anyways. Yeah. Mr. Dead is, he's already been x-rayed. He's permanently an x-ray display. So it's fine. He is remarkably adorable, though. Mm. Especially when you make him dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little noisy, though, all the rattling. Yeah. At the end of Wednesday's minute, Max went into his little self-identifier monologue. He was walking back and forth, telling them to listen good. He's not Captain Walker. He's the guy who keeps Mr. Dead in his pocket. And he says that they are going to stay in the crack in the earth. They're going to live a long time and they're going to be thankful. And then he looks right at Savannah, challenging her, and he says, right? Now, we've seen Max be ruthless in the past. I mean, just ask Johnny the boy. But I don't think we've ever seen Max speak to people quite like this. He's always been a man of few words. Cass, you mentioned that the other day. Yeah, he doesn't talk a whole lot, so the fact that he's saying this and he's trying to exert his authority, even though he's already said he's not Captain Walker. Yeah. But I I have to wonder if he's sort of seeing Sprague in all these kids and he's like trying really hard to protect them and he's you're gonna listen because i'm the father figure now mm-hmm. but uh, they're not gonna listen to him he's not captain walker he's the captain now <laughs> he's not though he just said he's not the captain now <laughs> the only other situation that i could think of in this series where max is being addressed by an authority figure and trying to be convinced of something would be back in the first movie where he was talking to Captain Fifi McAfee. And Fifi was trying to get him to stay on the MFP and keep inspiring the local people that heroes exist and all of that. And Max basically threw it back in Fifi's face and said, do you really expect me to believe that crap? And then he walked out. And here in this situation, (laughs) Max is more or less in that Fifi role being like, hey, we're going to stay put. We're not going to wander out in the desert and we're not going to die of dehydration and heat stroke and we're going to be happy and we're going to live and savannah's like do you really expect me to believe all that crap mm-hmm. this is sort of a situation where max would be like where did you learn that and savannah would be like i learned it from watching you <laughs> it from watching you <laughs> oh, i love that i have a question about exactly what he means by keeping mr dead in his pocket does he mean that he keeps mr dead at bay or that he can release mr dead whenever he wants I viewed it as he can release it whenever he wants. Like he just showed them this miraculous boomstick and they've never seen that before. So they don't know what happened, how it happened. So he keeps Mr. Dead in his pocket. He has the power of fire. He has the So power. he's 
threatening to kill them if they insist on leaving? I don't know if he's threatening to kill them. I think he's saying that he has this power and maybe it's, I have this power, I have Mr. Dead in my pocket and I think Barter Town's a bad idea. Like even I won't go there because it's dangerous. I would hope that that's his intention, but it's hard to say. You look at this situation and you're like, okay, is this the kind of father that Max would have turned out to be had Jesse and Sprague survived their run-in with the vigilantes? If Max had gotten to that point where Sprague had grown up to be a rebellious teenager and he wanted to go out with his hoon friends and drive utes around the quarry and kick up dust and whatnot would max have had to threaten him and be like hey i'm an mfp officer i am your father i see death on the road every day you're not gonna go out with your hoon friends and knock over convenience stores because you're gonna stay here with your mother and i it reminds me of the whole like i brought you into this world and i could take you out of it exactly actually threatening to kill your child (laughs) but you're just like look I gave you life. Respect me. Mm-hmm. I just find it amusing that Max basically just told them, I'm not the authority figure that you want me to be, but you need to respect my authority anyways. Yeah. He's not the hero they deserve, but he's the hero that they need right now. Mm. Although you could argue that no one in this movie needs a hero. All they need is life beyond Thunderdome. They have life beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> and Savannah's just throwing it away. <laughs> Yeah, what is she going to do the first time she has to go to Thunderdome with somebody and either live or die? She is going to want to go back to the crack in the earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, would they even let her in? She doesn't have anything to barter. Uh, she does. Yeah, I think the brothel's only full of its max. Yeah. Well, yeah. She's got amazing, gorgeous legs. Jealous. And she shows them off. Is it this minute or was it Wednesday's minute? It's all the minutes. It's it all, the minutes. all the minutes. Yeah, she doesn't Where she, wear like, pants. she like perches up on the on steps. On the ladder? Yes. <laughs> And she's got like one knee up and like, they're just beautiful legs. So yes, she does have something to barter. We've kind of mentioned it a little bit in the past that the danger for these children, especially the ones who are getting older, who are maturing, is that they are going to be immediately captured and sold into the slave trade. Yep. Yep. So even if by some miracle that didn't happen and they were allowed to be in barter town just as people, it would be awfully fast that they would get in some kind of argument because they don't understand the culture and they would end up in Thunderdome. Yeah. And they're not unskilled. As we see in this minute, they are capable of defending themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it would be a slaughter in there. They would fight. Yeah. But... You can't really take someone out with a thousand cuts when you're locked toe-to-toe in the Thunderdome. With chainsaws. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they don't know how to work a chainsaw. I mean, the chainsaw doesn't work (laughs) anyway. Yeah, the chainsaw doesn't work. That's a stupid weapon. It was a club. Yeah. Yeah. No, one of the weapons that was particularly effective that did kill at least one person was the blade on the end of a spear, which is a very similar weapon to what we see them use in this minute. Right. (laughs) I do have to wonder, though, like you mentioned that if they go to Bartertown, they're going to be captured and sold into slavery. I wonder if they went to Bartertown and Auntie was the first one to find them. I feel like Auntie would have been protective of them because she has that sort of role where she is auntie entity i feel like she would maybe try to take care of them Mm. and maybe try and like be their auntie but since she's not the one at the gate she's not the one who greets people and she doesn't vet them when they come in 
I think that, yeah, they would be sold into slavery. But if somebody had been able to get to her and say, hey, we've got these kids, can we take them into the civilization and protect them? I think that maybe she would have. Yeah, I think she would have. There is something maternal about her, but there is also something ruthless about her. Oh, for sure. So... I think it could go either way. Yes, she could take them in and raise them up to be productive members of society, probably be raised to be part of her power structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or she could use their vulnerability to gain power in that she could take them in as her own and then sell them for slaves. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it could have gone either way. Of course, I'd rather think of her as someone kind who would at least protect them until they're adults but you don't get to be the leader of a place like this by being kind yeah plus her name is auntie not mother like aunts Mm. can be mean they have that right can be mean too no moms can be mean but it's a different kind of mean because the moms have to love you i will say though that i'm not implying that my mom is mean i love my mother she is amazing i think you've met her She's great. She can be mean, but usually she's snide more than mean, which is hilarious (laughs) and appropriate because she dresses up as Mallory Archer. Mm -hmm. It is perfect. Oh, yes. Yes. But an aunt has the social sitting where you can come in every once in a while, terrorize the kids and then leave and have zero repercussions. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, they're kind of matronly, but at the same time, they don't have to be. Mm. I'm an aunt. And I see my sister as a mother, her discipline to her kids could be seen as mean. It's discipline. She is trying to raise decent human beings here. It's not all sunshine and flowers. But I would never talk to her kids that way. I have no motivation to discipline them. And I get to go in once or twice a year, have fun, spoil them, and then walk away. That's another reason why she would want to be auntie, because Mm. she has the ability to be mean, but she can also be the fun aunt. Yeah. Hey, come on over to Bartertown. Trade your goods. We'll have a Thunderdome. We watch two people hack themselves to pieces, because I'm the fun aunt. (laughs) I'm not your mom. I won't tell you to clean your room and brush your teeth and clean behind your ears. No, you get to come over to Bartertown, come over to Auntie's, and we've got a brothel and the Atomic Cafe and methane out the wazoo. Ice cream for dinner every night. Yeah. (laughs) There are advantages to being Auntie Entity versus Mother Superior. (laughs) Speaking of parenting, I have to wonder, with Max using his words and using not so much threats, but more like veiled promises or whatever you want to call them. Do you think this is how Max's father raised him? We only ever heard that Max's dad used to take him on long walks and that his dad had shiny shoes. I don't think this reflects at all on Max's childhood. I think this reflects on the last 15 years. Mm, I agree. Because Max has been spending the last 15, 18 years in the wasteland shooting first and asking questions never. Yes. And now he's in a situation where he can't do that because he would be shooting at kids. Well, I mean, he did. Well, around them. He shot around (laughs) them. Yeah. (laughs) Fun fact I've been pulling a lot of reference material from the storybook version of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome because they made one of those. I was reading it. Giant color photos. I love this part. They don't include the fact that he shoots at Savannah in the storybook. Not at all. He convinces them, I think it says. Yeah, he convinces her to stay. They don't mention that or what happens 
next minute, which mm-hmm. I won't be here for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, that, it's a shame you won't be here for it, because it's a fun scene, is completely different in the screenplay. Ah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently it's okay in the movie to show Max shooting at Savannah. It's not okay to mention it in the storybook. Spoiler alert for once Max goes to chase down Savannah eventually. In the storybook, they include what happens to Gecko. In the movie, they don't. Gecko just disappears in the movie. Oh, I haven't gotten that far yet in, in the, the novel. In the screenplay novel, I haven't gotten there yeah. yet. Anyone who wonders what happens to Gecko will get into it. I'll have to wait months to find out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you after we're okay. done recording. All right, good, yeah. good. The suspense would be killing me <laughs> for months. I can't deal with it. Max's speech that he gives, and I say we're going to stay here and we're going to live a long time and we're going to be thankful. This confirms to me that Max is planning on staying put. That he is planning on making himself a part of this tribe and growing old here. And that makes me happy that Max has found a place that is relatively safe and he would be well provided for. He would have company. He would have something to work for, for the good of the community. But his actions in this scene, is he going to be welcome anymore? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the look on Slake's face is pretty shocked and taken aback. Like, Mm -hmm. what sort of person have we let into our community? Yep. Would they even allow him to stay anymore? Or would they try and kick him out like a homeowner's association? (laughs) I find it funny. In the last movie, during Road Warrior, Papagallo was like, Hey, Max, you should come to the coast with us, and it'll be great. We'll live on the beach, and we'll have a grand old time. Nothing to do but breed. Yay. And then Max is like, no thanks. And then he stumbles upon these kids, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to road warrior anymore. Well, okay, so two things. One, maybe he didn't want to go live on the beach because it reminded him of Toe Cutter's gang. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go and live where somebody who killed my wife and child lived. I'd be like, screw that. I don't want to go there. It's memories and reminders around every corner. And the second thing, I was making faces when you were talking about him staying in the crack of the earth. I just cringe at the concept of living with a bunch of children and no <laughs> adults. And I know that you, you Rick, you're, you're horrified by it too. Yeah. It's just like, oh, can you imagine? Like, I'm not good with children. I really am not. I don't have the patience and it's oh, just the idea. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen that Max is okay with kids, mm. but we've only seen him one at a time. Yeah. Him with Sprague. <laughs> and him with the feral child. Yeah. Those were very small amounts of time and only one person. Yeah. And this population, yes, they're going to age, but there are no contemporaries. Mm-hmm. He has no peers mm-hmm. in this group. And if he fails and Savannah leaves, Savannah, Kusha, and Slake are the only ones that we know of who are nearing adulthood. So if two of those leave, that just leaves him and Slake. That's poor company. It's like Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade. Savannah is leaving just as soon as she's getting interesting. <laughs> yeah, yes. I did not do a Connery impression on purpose with that one. Because my Connery <laughs> impression is just as bad as literally all of my other impressions. <laughs> and that's not even getting into Max's need for companionship. Yeah, I was thinking that. If the only two viable options, and that's pushing it, yeah, are leaving, it's going to be years before anybody else and then it's is viable. Well, and it's only going to get creepier. Yeah. You could argue that it's already been years and years and years since he's had that sort of companionship. Yeah. Yes. You think back to Road Warrior, him and the warrior woman almost had a bit of a connection. 
But yeah. he was so closed off and unwilling to open his heart that it never developed into anything. And then she got shot and died and it was all this whole thing. Plus, I'm pretty sure there was something going on between her and the mechanic. Max really? was just the new flavor in town. Wait, I think there might have been. You never brought that up while we were reviewing well, it Road Warrior. Never seemed pertinent. It's just something that in the back of my head, I just the looks and the okay, yeah, I think trouble that they gave each romantic other. Romantic entanglements are always pertinent. <laughs> yeah. Fair. It's been a long time since I've seen Rogue Warrior. It's terrible. I only ever saw Thunderdome until like a couple years ago. And then I saw Mad Max once mm -hmm. and Road Warrior twice, maybe three times. But I do think I remember that, yeah, the Warrior Woman and Mechanic had that sort of like uh, dancing around flirting sort of thing. But I don't know if they ever actually had anything going on. I think it was just like sort of implied that maybe yeah. they were into each other, but nothing ever came of it sort of thing. That's what I saw at least. <laughs> It's interesting that these group of kids who don't know how romance is supposed to work, they just do what they feel like doing. Romantically, they're getting along a lot better than the compound dwellers who do have these societal expectations, who end up dancing around each other mm -hmm. for however long with not doing anything about it. It's yep. just jerking time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is for Max. Yep, that's... Oh. That's, Sorry. I think that's if exactly what it is. If he stays with them, it will be for several more years. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next one after Kusha that we see, I think, is Anna Goena, who is already attached. Yeah. Well. I mean, that could change. That yeah, could, but he disappears. He does. Never to be seen or heard from again. It's like a right. 90s sitcom. But Oof. she's only 13. It's going to be five years until that's... And Max is... Pretty much pushing 40 at this point, if yes. not already in his pushing mid-40s. And in post-apocalyptic world, we're just going to have to let go of some of that creepiness. If we want the human race to continue, we're going to have to let go of some of that creepiness. Some of it. We can hold on to some of it. Like... Okay. 18 and up yeah but we don't have to like it no and i think that's why george miller didn't focus on it nope <laughs> <laughs> the long and the short of it is max wants a future here yeah transitioning from max to savannah because the next shot we get right around second 13 savannah is staring down at max and you can tell that she wants to be bold in this situation but her eye is twitching. She looks a little nervous. There's a shake in her voice and she goes, keep tracking. Yeah, I love that eye twitch. I love that you can tell that she's freaking out. I love that. I love that. And one of the things I have in my notes based on this and like at the very end of the minute, she's got the juice. Yeah. She definitely has the juice. She's standing up to him and he just unleashed the power of the gods on her and she's standing up to him. It's amazing. Mm. I respect her a lot, even though... She's misled, I think. I kind of want to call her a feminist icon, standing up to the patriarchy and pushing forward with her dreams, even if they are not exactly wise. This movie has plenty of strong female characters in positions of authority who make decisions and are good role models. They just don't necessarily talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Savannah can be viewed as a feminist icon. Not so much because she's fighting against the patriarchy. I don't think their society really functions that way. Yes, Slake is a leader in the society. I think that's mostly because he's the oldest. Yeah. And Savannah took her leaving. She was the oldest. She took her leaving. That leaves Slake as the oldest. That's why he's in charge. And even in the novelization, Max calls him the nominal leader. He's a leader because 
He's the leader in a de facto sense because no one else is stepping up. Mm. But I just love how Savannah stands up to Max. And I like that representation. Definitely. We cut back to Slake, who turns to face Max once again. And he's got this scowl on his face. Sort of a, hey, are you going to fix this situation because you only made it worse type of expression. Yeah, Slake doesn't really know what to think of Max now. I pulled a quote from the novelization. This is from right after Max fired the gun the first time. It says, Slake's face was filled with sick awe as he realized at last what kind of man was standing in their midst with the eyes of a wild animal. Compared to this man, he knew no more than the little ones clinging to him's arms and never would. So he is faced with Max, who is making these decisions on how to handle the situation and how to try and persuade Savannah. He's doing it in a way that Slake doesn't understand. I think at this point, he is very much unsure of whether or not to support Max. And in the novelization, there's a really nice line about Slake looks up at Savannah after she has said, keep tracking, and he has found a new respect for her based on her courage. Mm. So Slake is kind of standing somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think Max's willingness to use that weapon has started to sway the waiting ones out of his favor. In fact, I see this whole situation as a very unique situation. For Max, because as I mentioned with other wastelanders, if some guy comes up on your vehicle and wants to take your stuff, you shoot him and then you take his stuff. But in this instance, if Max commands Savannah and she ignores him, then he has no authority. If he shoots Savannah, then he's got 50 some odd kids armed with spears that are going to instantly turn on him. So there doesn't seem to be a very easily identified right or wrong answer here like completely right or completely wrong answer i suppose i i have to agree with you although i think max's method of trying to convince was wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would agree uh Discharging a firearm in the direction of children is always a bad idea. Right. But I do think that maybe his 15, 18 some odd years traveling the wasteland and not having another human being to talk to made his communication skills super rusty. And maybe he doesn't have the capacity to say, wait, 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 let me explain how dangerous it is in a way that you can understand. But he's trying to lead with fear and that's not a good way to do it. No. And it escalated very quickly. Because Savannah just disregards him and they keep walking away. And Max decides, okay, well, I've got more bullets. He loads up another one. And as Savannah is walking next to this melon that is hanging in a basket, all of a sudden that melon explodes because Max has shot it and it is right next to her face. Oh, yeah. Like within arm's reach. And we were talking about this before we started recording. This reaction that Savannah gives has got to be 100% real. Oh, yeah. I think that was the first time that they did that pyrotechnic effect. They probably put like a small charge inside the melon and didn't give her a warning. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, yeah, just go up. Just go up the steps. It's totally fine. (laughs) Don't worry. And they probably just went, ha ha. (laughs) And she was like, holy crap. And ducked down. Because that's a totally legit reaction. Mm -hmm. It's not a like oh no, it's going to explode sort of thing. Because you would flinch beforehand. Like even if you are discharging a firearm, people who are not practiced at it, you go to pull the trigger and people will flinch before they actually do it. So if she knew it was there, unless she was super practiced at acting and had dealt with pyrotechnics before, she would have flinched beforehand. My hope is that she had some sort of hearing protection 
But I guess that would have tipped her off to what they were planning on doing. Like, yeah. oh, hey, here, Helen, put in these earplugs. Why do I need earplugs? Don't worry about it. We're just going to have you climb the ladder. But why does that need earplugs? Doesn't matter. Just climb the ladder. We'll take care of the rest of it. And then all of a sudden she's getting sprayed with melon juice out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, if he's firing blanks on set. Not <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, if he if he's firing blanks out of the rifle on set, I would think that I don't know how loud they actually are. I've never fired blanks in real life, so I don't know if the sound is less. Mm -hmm. But if it isn't, then I would think that they would pretty much all have hearing protection on, hopefully. Yeah. But I don't know how loud a small pyrotechnic charge like that would actually be, I mean, especially if it was encased in melon it might not be that loud it might have just been like shocking to be sprayed with a bunch of cold melon bits all over your back and face right <laughs> everything we've heard about them shooting in the crack in the earth it wasn't necessarily a warm situation because with mad max it's either broiling hot or freezing cold those yeah. are the two extremes when you shoot a mad max movie that's the extremes in any desert i think that's true they just didn't have Vernon Wells around this time around to keep an eye on his backside. So when it started turning blue, they knew when to cut. <laughs> Savannah, not happy with having melons sprayed all over her, turns around, grabs one of her spears and throws it straight at Max. And it sticks in the wooden platform right between his feet, which I love. She gave him the same warning shot that he gave her. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love it. It comes completely out of the blue. You think that she's just a matriarch storyteller. That's her role in society. And then she turns around and could have killed him with one spear mm -hmm. and came very close to doing it. I absolutely love it. Like, oh, you're trying to scare me? With near misses? Oh, I'll scare you with a near miss. Right, mister. and Savannah's not the only one with this particular set of skills. Nope, because Max looks down at that spear and decides, okay, I need to start following these children. And then Kusha and Mr. Skyfish, of all people, Mr. Skyfish, little wing boy. <laughs> and Kusha, seven or eight months pregnant, still throwing spears around. These kids are not messing with any of this. Yeah, I was actually wondering, Kusha and, and Skyfish, were their shots also supposed to be warning shots? Or were they just not as skilled as Savannah when they threw the spear? Because I feel like at that point, Max had actually started pursuing them. He wasn't very far. He only got a couple feet. But right. did he halt his progress slightly when he saw them starting to throw? Or did they try to lead him with their throws and maybe he just didn't get there in time? Or were they also doing warning shots? I think at that point, I don't know if I would have kept going with warning shots. If I had been fired out twice, mm -hmm. I don't know if I have that in me to just be like, oh, fine. Okay. Shot across the nose. To see where those spears stick in the platform and how Max has to more or less dance around them. It's hard for me to say if they were legitimately trying to hit Max or if these were just additional warning shots. And yeah. I can imagine them acting on their own. Savannah was willing to do a warning shot, but maybe Kusha and Mr. Skyfish were not as willing to give Max that benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't really get a lot from Kusha in the movie, but the one line that we have gotten from her, what does she say we... Oh, we reckon it different. Oh, yeah. we, we work in it different. It's when she stood up to Slake. Yes. 
she was very forceful and she had a great attitude about their plan and how they had come up with something different than what the community as a whole had been working on together. So just based on that one line and how she delivered it, I wouldn't put it past her to actually try and like hit his foot Mm -hmm. or something. Maybe not outright murder him, but a warning shot that is a little more painful than Savannah's (laughs) warning shot. Oh yeah. Escalating. Especially since she's a pregnant mama. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, she's going to do whatever it takes to protect her and her kid. Yeah. Plus, she's super hormonal. So, you know. <laughs> Sorry. The icing on the cake, the cherry on the sundae of all of this spear throwing is right around second 46 where we're looking up at Savannah and she's looking down at Max and she turns her back on him again. Mm. Sort of like, yeah. Buddy, and then she turns. You know, I'm not your buddy, pal. I'm not your pal, friend. <laughs> sort of situation. All I could think of here, and it's another Star Wars reference, but all I could think of is, you know, give up, Max. She's got the high ground. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So and like the Star Wars reference, Max disagrees. Oh yeah, he takes off running up the hill past all of the kids, and of course these kids are staying put. They're just watching what's going on. Oh no, what's going to happen? The guy with the boomstick is running after Savannah. What's he going to do? And despite all of the leaping and shambling and climbing over rocks, he gets to the top, and all he does in this minute is he grabs Savannah by the shoulder and turns her around so that they're facing each other. Yeah. And the last thing we get this minute is just Savannah being turned around to look at Max, and they're like, closest that they've ever been this minute Mm -hmm. face to face and that just drops it just ends because that's just how the minute cuts off i can't wait till monday yeah monday is coming and oh i don't know how to feel about monday (laughs) yeah i watched the clips that you sent me but then i also i went and i bought thunderdome on amazon so Mm -hmm. that i could stream it on my big tv and i could see with the closed captioning and everything and i it's hard to pause that at the end of the minute. So I had to watch and I was like, oh man, this is tough. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this part, but I, I can't. Because I think it shows a lot more of his character than some of the stuff that we saw. It shows his intentions more than the things that we saw in this minute and previous mm-hmm. minutes. He's been surrounded by nothing but wasteland warlords for the last 15 years, and they rule by fist and fear. Mm-hmm. He tried fear. On Monday, we'll see fist. <laughs> <laughs> if you just watched these three minutes and how Max behaves, you wouldn't really think much of him. Yeah. He's not presenting as a very good person or someone who is in any way sympathetic mm-hmm. in these three minutes. So Finishing out this scene kind of helps us understand Max a little bit more, puts these three minutes in a bit of context that Max, he's not a fantastic person. He does not have the moral high ground most of the time, but he's a decent person. He's a stepdad. He's trying his best. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. In a tough situation. Yep. He's just doing the best that he can, even if that may not be the best in every situation. You know what? He's trying. Yeah, and that's why mm-hmm. the kids don't respect him, because you're not my real dad. Yeah. I don't have to listen to you. He's right. not the fun stepdad. He hasn't brought them to Barter Town to ride the... The elevator? The elevator or anything like that, yeah. Which totally is operated by a man and a woman. I, I agree. <gasps> it is a woman. Thank you very much. You can tell by her wardrobe, because it's supposed to cover the chesticle regions. <laughs> 
They wouldn't have done that on a dude. Okay. And that is definitely a woman's buttocks and thighs. Thank I, you. I rewatched. I always thought it was a woman. Yeah. Always. That's what that's what <laughs> sold it for me was like the structure of her, especially her lower body. Like that yeah. is a woman's lower body. Yeah, that is a Coke bottle woman body. <laughs> even though she is jacked. I'm jealous yes. of her arms. <laughs> I She's, know, right? <laughs> Which, I mean, being that muscular can disguise that feminine shape. Right. But, but not fully. But not completely. Right. Yeah. If you have that feminine shape, it's always going to show through. <laughs> Ever since we released that episode, I've been hearing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. and just, <laughs> Is everybody telling you it's a woman? I've made peace with the fact that I was wrong and that I don't know what muscular women look like. <laughs> That's just how things well, I are. I only see her for a second. Exactly. So I can, I can is, understand. Yeah. yeah, it's awfully quick. And I, I like to think that I have a, a pretty good, like, I I have a high spot check. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I can spot stuff like that. <laughs> Cass, has been a lot of fun having you on. Is there anywhere you would like people to check out on the internet? We are working on the website now. It is going to be wickedwasteland.com, and I'm currently fighting with Instagram to get our Instagram back up, which is uh, Wicked Wasteland Podcast. But yeah, it's, it's going to be the Fallout-themed podcast that talked about previous minutes, so hopefully it'll be up by then. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so as I alluded to, Monday's minute, we are going to see Max stop Savannah from leaving. I'll leave it at that. Slake is going to help, along with the other hunters, and they are going to take steps to prevent anyone from heading into the nothing. Aside from our stuff talking about Mad Max, we've still got Anarchy Road going. We are in week 22. We are going to see Tinkerbell put the moves on Peter, but then he's going to suddenly remember that he's married and put the kibosh on on that little affair. Later, after a suiting up montage, we get to see Peter fly in and attack the pirates on Hook's ship, so that'll be a lot of fun. If you like The Weekend Show, join us on The Weekend Show. If not, we'll just see you on Monday. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 66 of beyond thunderdome we'll see you next time Everybody!